Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hodgeberg, and this is episode number 269. Going on a cruise to the Eastern Caribbean will probably take you to the beautiful island of St. Martin. With St. Martin, you get two islands in one with a French and Dutch side, and this week, I'll be talking about what there is to do all around St. Martin and sharing my advice for how to tour the island effectively. In addition, I'll also be talking about the recent hurricane damage and what to expect if you're going to be visiting St. Martin next. Here we go. When you talk about going on a Royal Caribbean cruise to the Eastern Caribbean, no doubt you're not going to be stopping in St. Martin, and rightfully so, it's one of the highlights of any cruise to this region. And St. Martin has a well-deserved reputation as being one of the most beautiful places to visit on a cruise. And this week, I wanted to talk about going to St. Martin on your Royal Caribbean cruise and how to plan for it, because I got a lot of questions about basically what is there to do in St. Martin, what's the approach, and how do you go about it, and everything else in between. And I've been to St. Martin for a number of years now. Is I think the first time I went there which was, I think, on Explorer this season, my very first Royal Caribbean cruise. We went out of Bayonne, New Jersey, and it was a long nine-night cruise. We went down over there, and I fell in love with it immediately. I mean, it's just a phenomenal island. A couple things. Let's start off with the basics. St. Martin is actually two islands in one. It's an island that is divided between the Netherlands, a.k.a. the Dutch, and the and France, the French, right? Uh, it Basically, the island is divided in half. Uh, this is something I set up a long time ago in the colonial days, and it's still actually, they're still part of their respective countries. So you have obviously that cultural and uh, language divide when you're talking about it. Your ship will dock in Phillipsburg, St. Martin, which is on the Dutch side. But it's very easy to get from to the French side and back and forth and everything in between. And a lot of times you will have days in which you go back and forth. It's not, it's kind of rare to only do one side, although I think if people do one side, they tend to focus on the French side, but there's a lot to enjoy on both sides of, of the island. And, you know, there's a lot going on in St. Martin, and I often talk to people about doing a potpourri choice, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Let's talk about the big highlights of St. Martin. Certainly, when you dock, you're going to be docking right outside of Phillipsburg, which is the downtown area. You can walk to Phillipsburg from your ship. There's also a water taxi available, which is a lot more convenient, and there also there'll be taxis available for you to take there to Phillipsburg and do whatever you want to do, and it's really a very easy place to get to. The walk is closer than Cozumel is from, you know, where the Royal Caribbean ships dock and all that. So you can make the walk, but I think you either take the water taxi or you take a taxi itself because no need to expel that kind of energy, especially in the warmer months of the year. But Phillipsburg is all about shopping, dining, that kind of thing. There is actually a really nice boardwalk area with the uh, that has a beach. So basically imagine Phillipsburg is kind of like a horseshoe shape. And on the curve, the inner curve of the horseshoe is where the beach is. And there's just it's a long beach. There's a bunch of places set up over there. So you can literally just pop down on, on the sand with a towel. You can go to one of the bars or restaurants that have set up beach chairs for you and pay a nominal fee to use that access. There's bars. I mean, you can easily go swimming in there, and all the water is amazing and beautiful. No question about it. But you have that. But I think most people go to Phillipsburg for the shopping and the dining. I think some people just go maybe to downtown Phillipsburg, have something to drink, eat, get kind of overheated hop into the ocean, and then go do something else, right? Kind of one of those kind of things. But Phillipsburg is not my favorite or top recommendation for what to do in the island, I think. But it's something that you, I think you work in either at the beginning of the day or at the end of the day as kind of a shoehorn almost. Now, talking about what else there is to do in St. Martin, uh, well, let's hop over to the French side. Uh, one of my favorite places to go is Marigot, which is the French capital. So Phillipsburg is the capital of the Dutch side. Marigot, M-A-R-I-G-O-T, is the capital of the French side. And it is almost like a sleepy French oceanside village. There's shopping there as well. There's great dining. Um, it's it's a it's very much a city, and just like Hillsburg, there are beaches there. But 
neither Phillipsburg nor Marigold have the best speeches on the island by any means. It's just something neat to see. Back on the Dutch side, you have Maho Beach, M-A-H-O. And Maho Beach may not ring a bell, but I bet you almost anything, you've probably seen Maho Beach in a video and, or a photo. And it's that beach where you see all those airplanes like coming in for a really close landing. Uh, Princess Juliana Airport is the main airport in First St. Martin's on the Dutch side, as I mentioned. But basically, there's the ocean, there's a small strip of beach, and there's the airport. And this beach is called Maho Beach. And the appeal of this beach is one thing, well, actually two things. To two things of the Dutch side that are interesting in Maho Beach is you have the ability to see airplanes land and to see airplanes take off. And that's what people go there for. Um, basically, if you sit on the beach right by the runway, you will literally, I mean, it's going to look at the airplanes like land almost on top of you. It's, it's, it's as scary as it is thrilling to experience. It's, I'll admit, it's a bit of a tourist trap. Like, I went to, I've done it once. I thought it was cool. I'm not going to deny it. I'm not going to sit there. I had my arms folded with a frumpy face. You're going, I don't like this. No, far from it. I had a nice time. But I don't know that I'd spend the whole day there. And I'm not sure I would make a special trip out there for it. But if you've never seen it before, it is cool to see. Part of the problem, though, of course, you got to time it. There's only so many flights to St. Martin in a day. And um, you want to make sure you time it right. I will point out also that the airplanes who take off from there, when they take off, because there's such a steep, there's the runway, but immediately in front of the runway, there's a huge mountain. So in order for the airplane to take off and not hit the mountain, they basically sit at the back of the runway, which is close to the beach, rev the engines really, really well with the parking brake still applied, and then release the parking brake, and then it's like peeling out, right? Like almost like a drag race. That's how they do it. So in the meantime, when they are when they have the parking brake applied and the engines are going, there's a huge amount of backdraft from the engines. And a lot of people like just hearing it, seeing it, and somewhat experience, like trying to stand over there. For safety... I have to warn you, this is very dangerous. Some people, uh, this is something you absolutely positively should not do. There's a fence between you and the airport. People would hang on to the fence. People have died doing this because they lose their grip. They fall backwards from the blast of the jets, of the of the jet wash. And there's a road, right? There's the beach, road, airport. And they, they go like headfirst into the pavement and die. This happened a number of times. Don't do this. Sit on the beach. You'll feel the breeze from the, from the engines. It's just as cool and... You know, whatnot. Anyway, don't be don't be stupid. Is basically what I'm trying to say. But the run the landings by far are the highlight of Maho Beach. Back on the French side, Orient Beach has the reputation for being one of the best places to visit. Uh, Orient Beach is a really long beach. It's not like one beach. It's almost like a seven mile beach in Grand Cayman. It's a long strip of beach with a lot of different operations set up. It's one of those beautiful beaches I've ever been to in my entire life. It's just incredible water, incredible sand. I mean, certainly. One of the best places I've ever been to. One of the top, my top three beaches have to be, uh, you know, one of those places. Now I have to say that Orient Beach, unfortunately, has was hit really bad with Hurricane Irma. Uh, you may remember this term from last year in 2017, and the island was one of the Saint Martin is one of those islands that really took it badly. The Dutch side seems to have recovered a lot faster than the French side. I think mostly you can make an argument as to why that's the case. I'm not going to get into that, but I will tell you that Orient Beach has been slower to recover than other places. A really good alternative, whether there was a hurricane or not, is a place called Grand Case Beach. G-R-A-N-D-C-A-S-E. Um, and it's it, it, it's a great option. It's fared a lot better than Orient Beach has in, in recovery. So I would tell you, if you're cruising in 2018 or maybe even early 2019, you might consider um, you know, going to Grand Case instead of Orient Beach. It's one of those things you got to, you know, rely on social media here. This is the power of the internet is people to see people who have been there recently and report back 
on you know the the what's available over there. It's got it's not like to say if you went to Orient Beach there'd be nothing there and a bunch of down trees and whatnot. Far from it. It gets better every day. One of this the nature of recovery in any Caribbean island is it is very much a daily process. And it's not to say that you know um, it's 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 a bad thing. So you know there's there's plenty of beaches over there. Another really popular option in uh, in St. Martin is Mullet Beach. Uh, Mullet Beach is really great, but there's no bathrooms there. It's a little more low key, so it depends on if that's a problem for you or not. But a great place. I would say, if I had a choice, I'd probably tell you like Grand Case. I really like Grand Case, um, and it's done really really well. So that's definitely my go to place. Uh, for what you're looking to do over there. No no question about it. Um, the other thing I would mention, if you have younger children, uh, or just really kids who can't swim, or aren't very good swimmers, or what have you, one of my favorite places to go in St. Martin for years has been a little beach called Legallion Beach. L-E space G-A-L-I-O-N. It's just over the, the border on the French side. Very easy uh, taxi ride to get there. It's lesser known because what it is is a protected bay if you will so it's, it's attached to the ocean but there are the all these rocks or something that's stopping the the water from coming into this bay and as a result legalian beach is like it, it's a bathtub there's no there's no waves at all it's it's like a lake but it's still the ocean so you still can swim and what's great for kids is there's like it's almost like a zero entry pool that the beach just extends in so we, you can go like a solid like 15 feet into the water as an adult and be only be up to like your knees in in water so it's great for really young kids who you know can't swim or just want to play in the surf man it's a great choice uh, definitely something to to look into and i've been there many many times one of my recommendations for if you're planning a day in st martin is number one i think it's best to do like a potpourri option as i mentioned earlier meaning do a, a few different things i would say pick two to three things maybe even four like my ideal day in st martin is not eating breakfast on the ship hopping off the ship going to marigo for a french style brunch right i did that that was awesome I went to a uh a boulangerie, which is a uh, French bakery, and had some fresh baguettes and cheese and some vegetables. Oh, my gosh, guys. It was amazing. Eat that. Go to Grand Case for swimming on the French side again. Or you can go to Legallian Beach. You've got the young kids. Depends on what you're looking to do there. And then you can either go to Maho Beach, maybe catch an airplane landing. You can go back to Phillipsburg and and uh, see do some shopping. Uh, no, or maybe go to Maho and then go to Phillipsburg. Depends on how much time you're in the port and what you're, you know, all those other things. But I'll tell you. That to me is a great thing to do. One of my favorite things to do, if I ever go to go to St. Martin, is to use a, a private driver for the day. I think in St. Martin it makes the most amount of sense because there is a lot to see and do in there. And a private driver for the day isn't as as expensive as you may think. A lot of Royal Caribbean excursions will offer you visits to maybe one or two of the things I mentioned, but I really feel like St. Martin is very easy to do this on your own. And you can certainly just use taxis. You can certainly just get off the ship, take a taxi to Marigo. Do what you need to do there. Take another taxi. Do your next flight. You know, keep doing that kind of a game. There's plenty of taxis. Never a problem to get around. You can do it that way. But I feel like it's a little more cost effective, especially for families, and a little more convenient to have your own driver. And you maybe have heard me talk on this podcast about a man named Leo Brown. We use Leo Brown. We found him one day. We were in St. Martin. One of our first times we went there with my kid. My my kid only had one at the time. And we were looking for a driver for the day because I heard I read about some someone like myself that said, "Hey, you should do a driver for the day." It's like, "Oh, I'll do that." And we were looking around. We walked around Phillipsburg, and like nobody really wanted to take us because they all wanted to take us, but they want. We were only three at the time, you know, three people. They wanted a bigger group to be able to maximize their taxi value, and they're like, 
you know, they all want us to wait around. Like, no, 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 I'm not waiting around. I want to go now, and I want my money's as good as anyone else's. You know, take me somewhere. It's not like, you know, the example I always gave is, you're in New York City, you want a cab. It's not like, hang on a second, we got to find someone else who wants to go uptown. No, you just go in the cab and you go. Anyway, walked around, couldn't really find anybody, and last, at long last, we ran across Leo, and Leo not only took us, but he was so uh, knowledgeable, so nice, so accommodating. I mean, I, I can't explain. I mean, I'll give you the story I always give is we he would take us around and show us all around. Basically, we would tell him, like, I don't even know what I want, right? This is one of the first times I was there. It's like, we want to go to the beach. We want to have something kind of authentic to eat and all those kind of things. And he was like, all right, I know where to take you. So he takes all these places. And we get to the beach and we get to Legallian Beach. That was his recommendation for a place to go. And we. We sit down on the beach. We're all set up. We're like, yeah, we're here, baby. We're on the beach. Woo, this is great. And then my wife realizes, oh, we got a problem. And I said, oh, no, what is it? She goes, I forgot the bottles. Like at the time, my, my daughter was young enough that she had to drink from a bottle, not from, she can't drink from a cup. And it basically meant she wouldn't be able to eat. And let me tell you something. If you have a toddler who can't eat, very quickly, that's going to become a major problem. And I was thinking to myself, it, so as she said this, I'm thinking to myself, oh, gosh, all right, now I got to go back to the ship. You know, I got to take Leo's got to take me back to the ship. That's like, you know, going to be 30 minutes there going through security, walk through the whole thing. You know, it's going to be like two hours before I get back to the beach again. You know, and it's like, oh, I don't even want to think about it. Before I could even utter a word, utter a word, Leo had hopped up, was r- literally running, sprinting back to the the car to drive. He drove. This is, he didn't tell me anything. He just left. He's like, I'll be right back. He drove to a convenience store. Now, Leo is a little older than I am. He's significantly older than I am. But he, he didn't, he's, a, he's a little out of practice to what it constitutes a bottle these days. So he bought like three different bottles for toddlers and brought them back. So I don't know which one this is for, but one of these has got to work. And from then on, we became Leo Brown fans. I mean, the man has been amazing. There was one time we were in Orient Beach and my daughter was, you know, you know, as a parent, like, you know when your kid's doing something that they're not supposed to be doing, but there's a little bit of a buffer. You know, like, you know, like, okay, there's, until they reach this point, I don't have to worry about it. I'm not going to run after them, right? If you do that, you'll run out of energy really quickly. Anyway, my daughter was was walking briskly towards the ocean, and Leo was there, and he jumped up, threw, he was, he's running and throwing his shoes off at the same time to go and grab her and get her out of there, and it's like, Wow, I mean, that's just, he cares. That's what it really boils down. So anyway, maybe you don't go with Leo. If you want, by the way, if you want Leo Brown's information, contact information, just send me an email, matt at varelcreamblog.com. I'd be happy to share it. Um, I just don't want to give out his phone number on the podcast, kind of weird like that. But anyway, um, using a driver for the day, whether they're as nice as Leo or not, the bottom line is having that driver there, their knowledge of, you know, what there is to do, giving you alternative choices and being able to be your guide and not only bring you places, but also narrate the history of the island, show you what's around there, and, and give you that insight. It's incredible. And St. Martin's one of the best places for that, no question about it. So, you know, St. Martin is a beautiful island. Uh, it's a great place to visit. It is very much a beach island, but there's more to do than just the beaches there. And there's, you know, what I talked about are probably the most popular choices there. There's some history. There's more culture you can, you can enjoy. But it's a great place, uh, you know, if you're a foodie. Because there's so much international mix there. You know, you obviously have the Dutch and French. You have the Western Caribbean uh, mixing with that as well. It's it's incredible. The airplanes are – I can't even, – even though it's a tourist trap, I cannot deny that it is absolutely incredible to see a wide-body airplane coming in for a landing, like, you know, just feet above your head. It's just – it's incredible and really, really nice. So um, I would say one other thing uh, that I wanted to mention, which, of course, pricing and monies – 
makes the world go around. Uh, the Dutch side is definitely cheaper than the French side. Um, you're going to find, you know, and I remember when I was my first time in St. Martin, I think I was just out of college, I think, or I was still in college. And we went to Phillipsburg and I saw a dollar Heineken's and it blew my mind. I was like, I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. What? Do, there, there's something wrong here, but I'm going to take advantage of it before anybody figures out like, dollar Heineken. That's crazy. Obviously, now I know that like you know dollar beer, especially of the local, because Heineken is is a is a Dutch beer and part of Holland, so they get cheap. Anyway, you know it's still kind of cool, but it's it's definitely cheaper on the Dutch side. The French side tends to be more popular, but it will cost a little bit more. Uh, in all cases, by the way, I should mention you can use your U.S. dollars. Don't worry about euros. They do take euros a lot in a lot of these places, especially on the French side. But you can use you can use uh, U.S. dollars all, everywhere. They take them almost interchangeably there. Also, one other thing to mention is that uh, topless sunbathing is a thing in the island on both. I've seen it on both sides. Before you get excited, it's not nearly as exciting as you think. It's never the people you want to see topless go topless. But there is that possibility. Some beaches have more of a reputation than others. I remember Orient Beach as an example had an area that was very much notorious for it. So if that's of look, if it's of interest to you or you don't care. That's fine too. But some people do care, and it you can it can almost pop up almost anywhere. So it's just something to keep in mind as you kind of plan your day around um, the uh, St. Martin Island. But it's it's incredible. I really do love it. I really really enjoy both islands a lot. I think there's a lot to to discover there. And like I said, if you're not exactly sure what to do or what your plan is, maybe the next best thing is to plan that little potpourri choice. Get a driver for the day and kind of zoom around the island and get a sense of it because there is a lot to enjoy. It's just depends on what you're looking to do. All right, guys, let's answer some listener questions. And this week, we got a lot of questions to get through, which is a good problem to have, by the way. I love seeing an overflowing Royal Caribbean Blog podcast inbox. So, uh, of course, you can always send me your emails by sending to Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Our first email this week comes to us from... Kelly, who writes, hey, Matt, my husband and I have just uh, have an upcoming cruise in February on Anthem of the Seas to the Bahamas and had some questions. I know there's four main dining rooms that are complimentary on the ship. Will we be assigned to one of them or are we allowed to eat at any of them each evening? We're doing any time dining or my time dining, really. Uh, let's answer that question first. No, you will be assigned to one. You, don't, you can't eat at any one you want. Uh, two are for my time. Two are for traditional. You'll assign one on your bottom of your C-Pass card. It will say which one you go to. So there's nothing nothing for you to do, Kelly. It'll just tell you which restaurant you're supposed to go to, and then you go to that restaurant, and you do the usual procedure for going there. So you're all set. Very easy. Kelly says, next question. I keep eyeing every day. When will we be able to book entertainment? And we're only about six months away. Nothing's changed. When will we be able to start booking that, as well as the iFly and other things you have to book on board? Boy, that's a good question, Kelly. And it's something I get asked a lot, and there is no answer. I mean, it just it depends. The things that you can book on board your cruise, of which there's going to be a lot, because, of course, you're going on Anthem of the Seas, a quantum-class ship. So you'll have entertainment. You'll have uh, various activities you can book, which is great, and something you absolutely positively should take advantage of. Um, but you're going to need to just keep waiting, unfortunately. There is no real threshold in which it definitely will show up. I often tell people 90 to 120 days before your sale date is when it usually comes up, but it really does vary. It's all over the place. As an example, Kelly, uh, my upcoming cruise on Symphony of the Seas, which is going in early November, we just got our entertainment opened up, and that was like 50-something days. That's an outlier because it was a new ship coming to the United States, but just keep in mind that it can be all over the place. So keep checking back regularly. It's just basically, I often joke with folks, you know, 
If it's part of your morning routine at work when you're sipping your coffee, go in and log and see if things change. You'll have to do it daily, you know, maybe once a week or so. That's a really good idea. The other thing, also, if you want to be a little more, I don't say lazy, but less proactive about it, is if you join a group on Facebook for your sailing, perhaps somebody else will figure it out when it is available and let you know. And that actually has been something I've been able to take advantage of because inevitably somebody sees it before I do. Uh, Kelly's next question is, do you have any recommendations for excursions in the Bahamas where there are several dolphin excursions? We're trying to decide which is the best for the amount of time and money. As always, thanks for all the great tips and advice on the podcast. I look forward to each week listening. Makes me excited for upcoming cruise. Awesome, Kelly. Nassau is an interesting uh, place to visit. We did an episode uh, a little while ago uh, with my good friend Aaron Foster talking about Nassau. I think it was like episode like 120-something. You can check it out in our archives at RoyalCoreanBlog.com. There's a lot of things to do in Nassau. Uh, you know, it just kind of depends what you're looking to do. You mentioned the dolphin excursions. There are several. In fact, I'd say Nassau is one of the better places to do it along with maybe Cozumel. And I, when I say better, I mean it certainly has a good reputation among people who do those type of excursions. They tend to do in ports like Nassau or Cozumel. And it's certainly an option. I've never done it personally, so I can't tell you one or the other. Uh, I'd say the most popular choices in Nassau are going to be places like Atlantis, which is a really beautiful resort, just very expensive. There's also the British Colonial Hilton, which gives you a day pass opportunity. They're really nice. I know Aaron Foster mentioned on the podcast a Nassau food tour, which is if you kind of want to get a little taste of the local cuisine, there's a third-party excursion offered in which you could do something like that. That's kind of cool. You can also just walk around on your own in Nassau. There's some history. There's some shopping to do in the, you know, one of the things you can easily do and spend probably half a day is to simply get off the ship, walk up and down the Market Street area, which is the shopping district of of Nassau, which is right outside where the port area is. And then you can go visit. There's a statue of Columbus. There's the Queen's Staircase. There's a old British fort you can check out. And, you know, just walking around there and doing all that stuff, that's pretty much going to get you to lunch, if not a little after that. Have lunch in town if you'd like, or go back to the ship, you know, and enjoy a beach day, or a pool day, I should say, rather. Uh, and, you know, there's also a complimentary beach or free beach called Junkano Beach, J-U-N-K-A-N-O-O. It's free. Very, it's <laughs> no frills uh, attached with it as well. But if you're looking for just some place to go dip your toes in the water, that's a good spot as well. Uh, and again, easily to get to. There, You can take a bus. You can walk there. It's not too far. So, Kelly, thank you for the email. Appreciate you uh, sending that in. Our next email is from Keith, who writes, Hey, Matt, I emailed you a while back suggested the Alaska podcast series, which was very helpful. Here's my two cents and hope this is not too long. My wife and I are going on our first-time cruisers celebrating our 25th anniversary and chose Royal Cream because of your podcast. We were not disappointed at all. We flew to Anchorage and took the Alaska Railroad to Seward. It was hard to believe that the train ride was not going to be the highlight of the trip. I cannot recommend this enough. We stayed in Seward one night at the Breeze Inn. Great option to stay in. Within walking distance to everything, we had a room with a view to the harbor, so we got to see Radiance of the Seas come into port. Uh, we took the hotel shuttle to the port and boarded Radiance of the Seas. Royal Caribbean's check-in process was so efficient, we were walking it onto the ship in less than 10 minutes. Radiance is a beautiful ship. Really enjoyed the size of her, and knowing she's a smaller ship, which was a plus for us being first-time cruisers. We went straight to the Windjamer for lunch and then went about exploring the ship from top to bottom. The statements were released, and we went to our cabin to check it on out. We chose my time dining. We felt like it was a good fit for us, and we had an awesome food and service and met some really terrific people while dining. We ate at the Windjamer for breakfast and lunch a few times, but enjoyed the main dining room more. The pace of the meal and the relaxed feel of the main dining room was great. We also ate two meals at specialty restaurants, Giovanni's Table and Chop's Grill, but missed the main dining room and would not do it again. The service at Giovanni's was outstanding, but the food was so-so. It was the opposite of Chop's. The food was delicious. We found the service lacking. The shows were a lot of fun. We caught uh, one of those each evening. We grabbed our lattes from Cafe Latitudes and then went over to the theater and found them to be a fun way to close out the day. 
Uh, our Alaska itself did not disappoint. It's all beautiful. Everywhere you look, we had perfect weather throughout the week. Our itinerary was Hubbard Glacier, cruising amazing time. Juno, our least favorite port, pretty commercialized. Skagway, our favorite port, fun town, lots to do and see here. Icy Straight Point, not much to do here, but we enjoyed a nice nature walk and sat and enjoyed the views. Ketchikan, pretty commercialized, but still had some charm. We went to Misty Fjords by boat, and it was one of the highlights of our trip. We saw a family of orcas. The process of leadership was quick and easy. Rail does an outstanding job through logistics. We walked to the station, took the SkyTrain to the airport, and it was about $5 a piece to and a five-minute walk from the port. Thank you, Matt, for all your help. I really enjoyed a lot and uh, learned a lot and had a good idea what to expect and how to get the most out of our cruise from the blog and podcast. Keith, thank you so much for the email, dude. I am so glad you're here. You had an awesome time on Radiance of the Seas. And, you know, I had an equally awesome time on Explorer This Seas Going to Alaska for my first time. And I'll tell you, it's something you're going to hear a lot, uh, whether it's on podcasts or you read it on blog posts. Alaska is absolutely, positively a must-do, must-visit place. I knew that ahead of time, but I didn't give it enough weight. Like, I was like, yeah, 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 I know I got to get there. You know what I mean? It's like, it's almost like, you know, like, uh, honey, you got to take the trash out. Yeah, 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 I know I got to do that. But this should be something, not, this shouldn't be a yeah, yeah, yeah. This should be a, oh, yeah, let's go book it kind of situation. <laughs> Next, we have an email from Lori, Grand Traveler on social media. Hey, Matt. Number one, what makes Coastal Kitchen so great? I hear you talk about it all the time in your podcast, but I don't know why it's special. I have obviously not booked a suite yet. And number two, the question was not asked to the, to the fellow who just became Pinnacle. What are the additional Pinnacle perks? He spoke of recognition, but what else do you get for reaching that ultimate goal? Discounts, special deals, upgrades? Lori, thank you for the email. Uh, number one, Coastal Kitchen basically is a complimentary, suite-only restaurant. And I think... After speaking with a lot of uh, friends of mine who enjoy Coastal Kitchen, I think really the appeal of Coastal Kitchen really is the, first and foremost, it is a uh, elevated menu. So a lot of people generally like some of the food items available in Coastal Kitchen, which may not be available elsewhere on the ship. Number two, I think they generally like the service. The level of service in Coastal Kitchen is really, really, really good. Not to say take anything away from the main dining room or some of the other specialty restaurants, but it is basically, in a nutshell, I think a lot of people would tell you, sweet guests that frequent for Coastal Kitchen, it's kind of like your own little specialty restaurant, but there's no additional cost to it. And there's some pretty good eats on there. And the service is really, really good. So I think that pretty much nails it. And when you have a pinnacle, what else happens for you? Well, you get a lot of recognition. You get, actually, I believe you get a free cruise at some point um, of some kind. I'm not sure the exact details there. And also your the amount of benefits you get increase. When you move up from platinum to emerald to diamond to diamond plus and eventually pinnacle you get the opportunity to uh get increased benefits so a lot of times the, the core benefits really don't change like you have a balcony discount but your balcony discount will at all levels you know will, will exist from platinum and above but the difference is when you move up each level the amount of the discount uh, is increased the amount of the internet discount is increased the amount of the you know exact all these little the spa discount they go up a little bit or a lot, depending on which level we were talking about here. Uh, that's really what it, it kind of boils down to. I mean, for Pinnacle members, there's a lot of also perks. I feel in my observation, not that I've, I'm a Pinnacle or anything close to it, but in my observation, I feel like a lot of the benefits of being a Pinnacle member also are sometimes unwritten rules that happen. There's a lot of schmoozing. There's a, there's a lot of events you're invited to. I think Nick talked about that, you know, being invited to a, uh, you know, an event with the captain or with different members of the crew and special receptions. Uh, there's, it's, it's good to, to paraphrase Mel Burks. It's good to be Pinnacle. Next, we have an email from Lauren, who writes, as Lauren Wick. Um, Love the podcast. When can we expect entertainment to pop up on our cruise planner? I'm going on something this season on October 14th, and we're about 60 days out not seeing it. See, Lauren, you probably already figured this out by now, but it literally just came on board for our, or online, rather, for our sailing in uh, November. Uh 
and I suspect that it's going to be very similar for you as well. When there's new ships, so if you're listening to this episode in, in, the, in the future, right, and you're looking forward to a new Royal Caribbean ship, keep in mind that a lot of times they're not like on a rhythm yet. They're not on the schedule. So these things, sometimes entertainment, like some, which is usually available to book a little earlier than 60 days out, is not maybe not be available for you when you get closer to your sailing. Like we said earlier in the scene in this episode, it just depends. There is no rhyme or reason to it. It just I'm sure there's something that happens in the background, but we as guests are not privy to what that is. It just it's all over the place. So the best advice I can give you is to keep checking back. Night uh, next email is from Mike Stiglitz, who writes Hey Matt, started listening to your podcast in 2016. My extended family was preparing to celebrate my parents' 50th wedding anniversary on Enchantment of the Sea. Since then, my wife and I have been caught the cruising bug. We've been on five cruises in the last year and a half. We tried three lines, including a seven-day Western Caribbean on Oasis of the Seas, a couple of great but expensive Disney cruises, and an extremely disappointing uh, experience recently on Norwegian Cruise Line. We were cruising with a group of longtime friends and had a pipe break in our bathroom that flooded our stateroom. While I know this is a very unusual occurrence, the response from guest services, housekeeping, and maintenance was very poor, and we basically were shuffled around for the first 24 hours of a three-day cruise. We probably won't be back. In fact, before we left that ship, our group decided that our next get-together would be on Symphony of the Seas next May. My wife and I have concluded that Royal Caribbean offers the best mix of ships, amenities, food, and activities for the dollar, and we're eager to enjoy more cruises and more status on Royal Caribbean. We recently became empty nesters, and I retired from the Navy last year, so we're no longer slaves to the school calendar, and we have a lot of more flexibility in our lives. My question is, what do you think are the ship's itineraries and or times of the year that we could get a great value on Junior's Beats to double up on Crown and Anchor points and get to the crown and up the Crown and Anchor ladder a little quicker? Thanks for all the great info on your blog and podcast. Mike, excellent question. Boy, uh, there's a lot of great choices for you. Definitely cruising the off-season taking advantage of the lower cruise fares, quite frankly. You're going to find that if you cruise during the month of September, most of October, uh, the most of January, with the exception of like New Year's week, so skip the first week of January, and the first two weeks of February, the first two weeks of December, the first two weeks of November, most of the month of May, basically all the times the kids are in school, you're going to find a lot of values out there. I think the most extreme values you find are in September, October, January, and a nod to the first two weeks of December. I think that's probably how I would stack them up in terms of value. And a lot of it is playing the pricing game, Mike. Now, I'm not sure where you live. If you live, like, if you live in Florida, you could also play the last minute game. I know last minute sales aren't really a thing as much as they used to be, but sometimes that can have an opportunity for you to really jump on something. But if you target those times a year, Mike, and you book it well in advance, I think you're really going to find some excellent pricing on those type of accommodations because they tend not to be very popular because obviously families are in, you know, are not unwilling to go on vacation that time of year and prices start out a lot lower. So if you can take advantage of that, that's really important. And number two is also book as far as you can. Some people will tell you, you know, they book their cruises almost like playing roulette. You know, in roulette, when you're playing the numbers on the board, right, there's numbers one through 36. Yes, I know there's zero and double zero, but for the sake of this example, we're going to ignore that. You know, there's all those numbers on the board, right? And you never know where the, the wall's going to land. So you, you start, you put, you know, your chips out on certain numbers. You think maybe you'll have a chance at it. And some people do their cruising in the same way. They'll book cruises, you know, two, three years away with the idea that maybe they'll go on it. But it's, an, it's almost like an investment. Like, we'll put the deposit down, see what happens, and maybe we'll get a good deal out of it. So, you know, it's one of those things where you play that game, but booking in advance, targeting those slower months of the year, and on top of that, also picking ships that are either a little bit older, like maybe a Rhapsody, uh, or not Rhapsody, a, uh, a uh, Vision Class, that's what I was looking for, Vision Class, a Radiance Class, a, even a Voyager Class to some extent. 
and and or and or a cruise that leaves from a harder to get to port, Galveston, San Juan, Puerto Rico, Baltimore, Maryland. These are ports that you typically find lower prices for, in addition to lower prices with some of those classes of ships. So if you combine the class of ships I mentioned, the timing year I mentioned, and one of those ports, I gotta think you're gonna get a really good deal on that. Susan Widowson has our next email. Susan writes, For the person who had the question about missing the mustard drill on Radiance of the Seas out of Seward, we booked the southbound Radiance in June 2019. The ship didn't sail, set sail until 8 p.m., so if the tour gets to the ship before 5 p.m., they should be fine. Usually the mustard drill is about one to one to a half hour before departure. Thank you, Susan. Appreciate that email. Uh, that was about Alaska, obviously. Uh, next, we have an email from Sarah, who writes, First off, thank you so much for the podcast and everything else you do. Second, thank you for the advice to use a travel agent. I booked with MEI Travel, and it was much easier compared to my last cruise, which I booked on my own. About three weeks after I booked, there was a price drop. I spent 30 minutes on the phone with Royal Caribbean, getting my price adjusted for the cruise I booked myself. For the cruise I booked with MEI Travel, I did nothing and got an email three days later that my reservation had been adjusted due to a price drop. Needless to say, I'll be booking with that travel agent from now on. Lastly, my question. I'm traveling with to Coco Cay in late March 2019 and booked a bungalow. My question is about how the construction of Perfect Day Coco Cay will affect this. I heard on the podcast that all the beach areas will be opening much later in 2019, which makes me think they will be under construction when we are there. Do you know how this will affect the beach bungalow experience? Sarah, thank you for the email, and thank you so much, by the way, for supporting our sponsor, MEI Travel. I often tell people, if you want to give back to RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, there are two ways to directly give back to RoyalCaribbeanBlog, right? Short of becoming a millionaire and just, you know, sponsoring the blog in that regard. But if that's not possible, I would tell you to uh, support our sponsors, which are, of course, our travel agent, MEI Travel, and also become a Royal Caribbean Blog Insider, which is somebody who donates to RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. You can donate as little as $1 a month. There's different levels you can donate at, just like, you know, donating to PBS or something like that. You pick a level you're comfortable at donating at, and that helps not only keep the lights on, but also help us continue to bring you the kind of coverage and content that you really like to have. And for more information about that, uh, you can go to RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com slash support. Um, and for more information about MEI Travel, just go to RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com slash MEI. Really do appreciate that, Sarah. Thank you so much for all that. I'm so glad you you had an awesome experience. That's what I like to hear. All right. So on to your question about your bungalow in late March. So it's hard to say. It's really hard to handicap, Sarah. Uh, Royal Caribbean has been kind of, in, in my observations, their construction progress has been all over the place. The the pier alone, which is the new dock they're building for ships in Coco Cay, the date of completion has changed probably four times, if not more now. It's now back to January 2019. It was supposed to open, I think, originally back in, like, uh, June of this year. Originally, originally, if you look at old announcements. But the, the target dates change a lot. And Royal Caribbean is, these days, at least of the recording of this podcast, Royal Caribbean is basically saying, you know, Coco, Perfect Day Coco Cay will start to open in May. So your March time frame, there's going to be construction. Now, not to worry. Before you freak out, don't don't freak out. Even today, when there's a lot of construction going on, it's all on another end of the island. Your bungalow is probably in South Beach, and South Beach is part of the current version of Coco Cay. Let's say it that way. And it's very, it's not impact. It's not like your bungalow is right next to a construction zone and you're hearing jackhammering, and it's like basically having a bungalow in New York City. Far from it. It's not like that at all. So don't worry about it. Uh, you know, will you see evidence of construction or work being done? Sure. Of course, you're going to see cranes. You're going to see walls eventually somewhere along the way. But I don't think it's really going to, unless you get there and you get your, your toes in the sand, sounds like something out of a Zach Brown band song, you'll have a great time. So I wouldn't worry too much about it. I can't really handicap against there what kind of level you're going to, of completion or not completion you'll have. But 
you're going to have a great time. I really don't think it's going to impact you. I wouldn't worry about it. And certainly, even if I was going to Coco Cay in March, of which I am, by the way, I'm putting my money where my mouth is, we have a Royal Korean blog group cruise. Look at that. Two shameless plugs within like two minutes of each other. Uh, we're doing a Royal Korean blog group cruise on Mariner of the Seas. Back to back. We're not going once there. We're going twice. So I'm really, really putting my money where my mouth is. And uh, we're going to go see it. So, you know, perfect day or not, we're going to have an awesome time there. And you can find more information about our group cruises. We have a couple of them lined up at royalcaribbeanblog.com slash events. I will post uh, links to all this on our show notes. So that way I'll make it really easy. Uh, Kathy says, I travel with my son who's wheelchair bound. The rooms and bathroom are very easy to use with the chair as well as balconies. Above all, I found the crew goes above and beyond to make sure he gets to experience everything from the ice rink to the parades and shows and the water areas. The dining staff is most helpful. Also, I found cruising the easiest way to vacation with someone in a wheelchair and with all the helpful crew, it's vacation for both of us. Kathy, I am so glad to hear that you guys have experienced that level of service, that level of dedication by Royal Caribbean. Uh, certainly, it, it must be amazing. And the way you, you wrap up your email right there by saying it's a vacation for both of you is awesome. So, again, uh, if you have mobility issues or really any kind of special needs, it's so gratifying, quite frankly, to hear that Royal Caribbean is doing the right thing and really helping those folks out and giving them the support they need to have an awesome cruise vacation. Next, we have an email from William who writes, Hey, Matt, I'll be cruising on Harmony of the Seas and want to know if they offer cruise ship tours like galley, engine room, and behind-the-scenes places. Fascinated by a ship this large and would like to see how it operates. They do, William. Uh, you can book it on the cruise planner before your cruise. If you go to the Royal Caribbean website, uh, there's a behind-the-scenes tour. It includes places like the bridge, the control room. I don't think you go to the actual engine room, but you know you can see the engines. Uh, the galley, for sure. Uh, the theater sometimes. and depends on the ship, obviously, and what you can see. But it's truly incredible, William. If you've never done those kind of things, yes, you absolutely should book it. It's a, it's not cheap, but it's not terribly expensive. But it is worth the, the, the cost, William, especially considering you're asking me about it. I already know you have that kind of interest in it. So absolutely well worth it. Next, we have an email from Nancy from Tampa, Florida. Where you, uh, Thanks so much for hosting RealCoreanBlog.com podcast and live Facebook chats. I've learned a lot from watching and listening to you. Our next trip is coming up in September on Majesty of the Seas to Cuba. I followed your blog post about it, so we feel we're pretty prepared for this adventure. We're in the process of planning another Royal Caribbean cruise, and we've recently reached Platinum Level in Crown and Anchor Society. From listening to you and reading the benefits of each level of Royal Caribbean's website, it appeared to me that we would notice some tangible benefits from attaining this level, most importantly to us, discounts on booking a balcony stateroom. So, in trying to determine how much of a discount would be offered, I first tried to get a quote from a balcony room online on the Royal Caribbean website without entering my Crown and Anchor number. However, I think because of the cookies, Royal Caribbean's website knew, quote-unquote, that I was asking for the online quote, because the rate quote was exactly before, after I put in my Crown and Anchor number. Today, I called Royal Caribbean and indicated that I was trying to determine what the discount would be offered for booking a balcony room, so I wanted a quote from a balcony room without entering the, the sales agent entering our Crown and Anchor number. She said that she could do it, but still needed some of my info to give us a quote. She gave me a quote for the non-refundable fare, which was fine with me, and that included an early booking onboard credit of $50. When she then put in my Crown and Anchor number, the fare went down only $50, bucks, and I'm not 100% sure that we would still get the onboard credit. Anyway, I was still pretty surprised there was a little more of a discount for a four-night cruise costing about $1,300. The agent said that because it was a short cruise, there wasn't much of a discount. In addition, on the Royal Caribbean website, it's also that for Crown and Anchor members who book for a sale date outside of six months, which would be late February, they would offer an increased discount. So to me, this means we should receive two discounts, one for Platinum, and an additional amount for booking a cruise greater than six months in the future. When you've utilized your Crown and Anchor Society 
status discount to book cabins of the past. I realized you were diamond level, so the discounts may be more substantial. Have you ever asked your travel agent how much you're saving as a result of the discount? How do you know otherwise that Royal Caribbean is actually giving you a discount on your balcony or suite if you don't inquire? Thanks so much for the advice, knowledge you can share. You know, this is a really good question, Nancy, and I'll tell you that the balcony discount is a variable. Your, your experience actually doesn't surprise me. Uh, first and foremost, the way you know about it is when you book any Royal Caribbean cruise, you're going to get a invoice. And on that invoice, it will break down and list any, any discounts you have. So most commonly these days, we're talking about BOGO discounts, right? And you'll see those discounts listed there. You'll see the base fare. You'll see the discounts, sales tax, ports fees, and whatnot. And all that comes to end, you see the bottom line price. But any discount you get, whether it's Crown and Anchor discount for a balcony room or any kind of room, you're going to get the, you know, you're, it's going to list it over there. So if you don't ask, that's okay, don't worry. It's not like, it's, it's it's not the honor system here. They really do list it out there to make it very, very clear. So I did some digging for you here, and here's how it works. The balcony discount when booking more than six months from a sailing date, 50 bucks for sailings three to five nights, $100 for six to nine nights, $200 for sailings 10 or more nights. When you get to Emerald, it's $75 for sailings three to five nights, 125 for sailings of six to nine nights, 225 for sailings of 10 or more nights. Diamond, 125 for sailings of three to five nights. This is all for six months in advance, by the way. 225 for sailings six to nine nights. 325 for sailings of more than 10 nights. Diamond Plus, 150 for sailings three to five nights. 250 for sailings six to nine nights. And 350 for sailings of more than 10 nights. And if you ever get to Pinnacle, God bless you. 175 for sailings three to five nights. 275 for sailings six to nine nights. And 375 for 10 or more nights. So again, this is when booking less... Um, if you're booking, by the way, less than six months, all those numbers I gave you were for six months or more from sale date. If you're booking less than six months from your sale date, subtract $25 from any amount I just said before. That's how it breaks down. So it's not a percentage. It's not a variable. It is just a flat. Here it is. So obviously for your cruise, you were doing a shorter cruise. That's why they were saying, oh, well, you're only platinum. You're only going to get 50 bucks off. So it's not, they're not trying to pull wool over your eyes, Nancy. It is what it is, and as you move up the status, I mean, you can see there, you only have 50 bucks for your for that particular sailing. But if you were a diamond like me, you would have gotten $125, right? And if you get to the pinnacle, $175. So, you know, obviously, it, it goes up as you move up the system. It's something nice to have, Nancy. You know, a lot of these discounts aren't, like, going to be like, whoa, all of a sudden it's going to be free to cruise or nearly free to cruise. It's more of a, hey, that's really nice to have. And at the end of the day, I'll take what I can get, you know? It's really nice to have that. Next, we have an email from Carl Womack, who writes, CruiseRadio.net was reporting that Oasis class may be coming to Galveston. Is it wise to keep my hopes up? I live in Corpus Christi, hence the name Condor Christi and my username. For one thing, I couldn't imagine which Oasis class ship would be coming here. Certainly not Symphony. That wouldn't make too much sense. Perhaps the Oasis, the oldest ship in the fleet, may be yearning for new waters. I'm very excited about this. I've done Vision and Liberty. Excellent on both trips. The cruise director and his staff on Vision in November 2017 were outstanding. I've never had been so entertained. But Oasis class, wow. Um... So let's talk about that first. It's a rumor. It's something that is up to this point, at least as of the recording of this podcast, Carl, I would characterize it as wishful thinking on the part of the Port of Galveston people. Now, you know, basically what, what's been, Royal Caribbean has said nothing about it. And the Galveston people have been saying, look, we're ready for it. We want it. We're willing. We're able. We've set up the port to accommodate it. We can handle it. And gosh darn it, we want it. When there's that much chirping coming on from a port, usually that's a good sign. I don't want to get your hopes up. But you never know. Uh, it's certainly a move in the right direction. But again, Royal Caribbean has not said anything. And until we start seeing, you know, obviously deployment schedules, they won't say anything. It'll be one of those things when they obviously announce their new 2020, 2021 deployments that may or may not be part of it. Who knows? I would think that, yeah, probably not Symphony. Almost certainly, I would, if I had to wager a guess, if I had to put money down, going back to our roulette 
<laughs> analogy earlier. Probably Oasis, maybe Allure if you want to go crazy with your bet, but uh, I certainly are. Um, Carl says, the second thing I wanted to ask about was this. I don't want to sound like a moron, but I've been looking at Alaska cruises for quite a while, and I'm frustrated by the itineraries that all the cruise lines have. The shorter cruises seem not to go into primary glacier areas. The longer cruises go there, but only after, here comes the moron part, to against passengers to the culture of Alaska with little towns along the way. I'm sure it's interesting, but just not my thing. I just want to see the glaciers as they're more authentic natural wonders, which likely won't be around for too much longer. Also, I'm not—I'm al- sure I'm not alone when I say I don't have time to do the following. Fly to Seattle, Vancouver for one day, board the ship, spend seven days on the ship, fly home to Texas. On a single week of vacation, I would love it if I could fly in on Friday, experience the Emerald City in Vancouver, board the ship on Monday, uh, the ca- have the captain put the hammer down and get us to the glaciers, view them on Tuesday or Wednesday, perhaps stop at one of the ports on the way back and return on Thursday, giving me time to fly back to Texas on Friday or Saturday. Wow, Carl, you know, <laughs> I appreciate that. Carl writes, I love the podcast. Don't change a thing. It's the perfect length for a morning workout. Um, it's, yeah, look, uh, you know, it, you bring up some interesting points. The glaciers are certainly a a major uh, point of interest. I will point out also that just because your ship isn't visiting a glacier per se, you can still see glaciers. Like, as an example, in Juneau, you can go to Mendenhall Glacier. Like, it's very easy. It's a short cab ride or bus ride away, and you can go and <laughs> go right to the glacier. So, even though you're not, you know, it's not listed on the itinerary, you're going to Juno, you can still go to a glacier. Same is true for uh, Skag- or Skagway as well. Um, so it's not to say that it only you're only going to one glacier. You know, there are other opportunities to do so as well. Now, in terms of the itinerary, look, it is what it is. You know, this is what the seven night cruises have proven to be to work well. I mean, to your point, if you're going back, you know, let me use your example. You're flying in on a Friday and you want to come back on a, you know, on a Friday. I mean, well, first of all, that's what's happening right there. I mean, Explore the seas. That's what I did. Was you could fly in on a Friday, go on your cruise, come back on, and your cruise ends on a Friday. I mean, that's wish granted. Um, uh, you know, part of it you have to stop in a foreign country. That's part of U.S. law. So if your cruise starts in Seattle, you're going to, you know, you're going to Victoria, Canada. Uh, if your cruise starts in Victor- in Vancouver, well, then you're all set because you're just you're not subject to U.S. laws in that situation. But anyway. My point is, it's not that far from what you're asking for. You just have to understand, I think, that you can go to more glaciers more than you see that, Carl. So, not a not a moron. Just <laughs> it's something that, honestly, I uh, before I went on my cruise, I wouldn't have been able to answer that question for you. It's one of those things you have to kind of experience for yourself in order to understand. Next, we have an email from Ilona who writes... Uh, as we are nearing the peak of hurricane season, I notice that there are more and more questions coming to you in regards to cruising during this time. As a frequent September cruiser, the prices are just too good to pass up. I am no stranger to hurricanes affecting my cruise. I have cruised on Allure of the Seas three times in September, and each cruise was altered due to a hurricane. Thanks, Matthew, Irma, and Maria. But I have good news. I still had a great time. Royal Caribbean goes out of their way to make sure that the effects of any storms are little to none on the passengers. The captain on Alert even said that the ships themselves would have no problem sailing in a hurricane, and they actually are safer at sea than at port. They can easily track the path of the storms and make sure to stay uh, sail clear of any rough seas. So how exactly are my cruises affected? Two of the cruises had a short itinerary change due to the hurricanes. This might be a letdown if you booked a, a cruise specifically for the original ports, but for me, this was not an issue. It just meant another cruise in my future to get those ports checked off my bucket list. The cruise line will also refund you any shore excursions you booked through Royal Caribbean if the ports change. On one of the cruises, we met a couple who had booked a shore excursion through an external provider, and even they were able to get their money back. But just check this policy with whomever you booked your shore excursion with. The only major drawback we had was with Irma last year. Our seven-day cruise was delayed and consequently shortened to just four days. In my opinion, Royal Caribbean gave great options for people who had sailed the sailing. 
They gave us the option to cancel the entire cruise for a full refund, or if we chose to sell on the shortened four-day cruise, we would get 50% of the cruise fare back on our credit card and 50% back as a future cruise voucher. Since we live in Europe and also had a non-refundable flight to consider, this was a no-brainer for us. A four-day cruise and technically a full refund on top of that? Yes, please. And in case you're wondering, yes, we are selling in this September on Allure of the Seas. I would definitely say considering cruising, I would say definitely consider cruising even in the hurricane season. The worst thing that may happen is that I change an itinerary or a canceled cruise, but you will not be put into harm's way. For me, the uh, the attractive hurricane season prices are a big enough perk to compensate possible disruptions due to weather. Well said. Couldn't have said it any better. I would also point out that bad weather can happen throughout the year. Like the the example I hate to bring up is that if you remember a couple of years ago, Anthem of the Seas had that major storm that she went through, and there's a lot of news about it. That was in February, not hurricane season. So it's not to say that if you go if you cruise outside of hurricane season, it's gonna be perfect weather and sunny skies the entire time. No, it can rain on you the entire time. It could be you know rough seas. It's hurricane season is not the end all be all of bad weather, so to speak. And I think Ilona nailed it. I mean, just the perfect way to explain it. Uh, I couldn't have said any better. So thank you so much for that email. And our last email this week, it's a lot of emails. I love this, is from Ethan Ballum. Uh, Hi, Matt. We're trying to plan an Alaska cruise for next summer, maybe around July 4th for eight people, four adults, two 25-year-olds and two 21-year-olds. We've been on six cruises together on Royal Caribbean, so we're definitely experienced cruisers, huge Diamond Club member fans. There are two, there are really two great options for us. Raiding to the seas one way, cruise out of Vancouver, or ovation to the seas round trip out of Seattle. We want to experience Alaska the best way possible, but also love a ship with great technology and amazing restaurants. Thanks for the best advice in the cruise industry. Well, yeah, basically, your two choices are exactly how I would have pinned it. For itinerary, there's no question in my mind that Radiance offers the superior itinerary. In terms of places you're visiting, things in Alaska, things you're going to see, Radiance is a better itinerary. Ovation is a far more convenient option, especially for residents of the U.S. It's easier to get to Seattle than it is Vancouver. Uh, it's an amazing ship, great technology. I can only imagine what's going to, you know, how you're going to be able to see Alaska for places like North Star and 270. But its itinerary it just is a, a clear second to Radiance's itinerary. So you really got to ask yourself: Do you feel lucky? Well, do you? Punk? No, <laughs> that's the wrong thing. I just wanted to quote that. Uh, <laughs> you got to ask yourself: Is the are you more are you interested? In, is the itinerary the end all be all? If this is your only trip ever to Alaska, and you don't really mind flying to or from Alaska, then go on Radiance. Heck, if you want to do it really really well, you do a back to back on on Radiance, and that way you only you can do a round trip from the same port, probably Vancouver, I would imagine. Um, but you know, if if you're saying, well, I'm not willing to fly to Alaska or from Alaska, that's me. Or it's, you know, the ship is really important to you. Or seeing Alaska is the same thing to you. And whether you see a glacier at this place or that place, it's, you know, you're willing to risk it. Or you'll probably come back maybe a little bit later as some other time to do it again. Well, then ovation is the way to go. No question about it. I think it really depends on kind of how you're broaching it. And certainly when I went into it, my cruise on Explorer of the Seas, I knew all these things in advance. People told me the same things. And I said, okay, well, look. I really hope and believe this will not be my only time going to Alaska. And certainly after going to Alaska, I knew it would not be my only time. But the next time I go, I got to work out something where I'm going to go on that other itinerary. Even though Ovation would be amazing, I, I feel like in my heart of hearts, I would need to go do that other itinerary. And that I've done the one that Explorer of the Seas did, which is the same one that Ovation of the Seas will be doing. I really feel like that's the way to go. So kind of weigh that. And I think as I've said all that, Ethan, you probably have figured it out, right? You've probably... That little voice in your head that says, YOLO, book it. Book another cruise, Ethan. It's probably also telling you which itinerary to go with. And if all else fails, book them both and then report back to me on In the Name of Research. 
<laughs> All right, guys. That's it. Thanks for joining me here on the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Of course, you can always send me your emails by sending them to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon. <laughs>